Welcome in everyone to the Puttcraft Podcast. My name is Reed Nelson. Today is July 21st. We will be recapping the Centennial Lakes Open. Uh, slightly better late than never. My apologies for the delay on this one. Um, and I will re- be recording another podcast early next week uh, in anticipation of the Lily Putt Open 2.0, which will take place um, on Thursday. July 28th, the weather looking pretty good. Expecting some rain between now and then, which would be nice. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> Matt Rolstead um, wins the Centennial Lakes Open by a stroke over Dan Wesley and Sean Anderson. We'll get to all of that in a bit. A couple of things first. For those of you who don't haven't followed the saga with the pars, um, I played the course about three weeks ago, maybe, and I decided that we were going to add a par to each hole, and it would be kind of clean and easy, and... Um, went a little overboard, not too far overboard, but a little overboard. So right now, um, if you go to the 18 birdies app, it has basically, it it has the Centennial Lakes pars, um, uh, plus one essentially. So every par three is actually a par four in 18 birdies. Every par four at Centennial Lakes is actually a par five in 18 birdies. That is all going to be the same, except I've changed, um, four holes back to their original par hole one, hole five, hole 12 and hole 18, um, should have been a little bit more careful initially should have used a, um, tweezers instead of a stick of dynamite essentially to change the pars. But I feel as though we came to about the right, um, ending spot. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's certainly not perfect. What is, uh, but I, I, I feel very confident with the winner, uh, being about 19 under par after two rounds. Granted, Matt also scored an eight. Matt Rolls had also scored an eight. So, um, that 19 under par could have easily been a 22, 23 under par. And of course there's always shots left out on the course and et cetera, et cetera. So, okay. So that is where we are at right now. It is a par 65. Um, and, uh, again, hole one, hole five, hole 12 and hole 18 were returned back to their quote unquote normal pars. Now I apologize. I actually ended up taking three double eagles off the board. Um, and, and, and for that, again, I apologize. We did have a double eagle that, that stayed and we actually have video of it. Uh, and that was Joel Brown's, uh, Hole nine, his first 18. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, it's on the Puttcraft Instagram page on the reels um, and was just a, a, a phenomenal shot. Joel Brown finished uh, in fourth place at 17 under par. So let's go over each one. Again, Matt Rolstead, uh, your winner at 19 under par. Um, this is Matt's... Um, Sorry, I'm having a little bit of a loading issue um, on my end here. I think it's his third win. It is his third win. He has nine top five finishes um, in 10 events. Here's the tail end of Matt's round. So if you start at 13, he went, and this is on his back 18, mind you. Eagle, birdie, 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 birdie birdie. Okay. Um, and that is four strokes better 
than the last six holes of his front 18. Compare that to Dan Wesley's final six holes, which was birdie, bogey, birdie, 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 par. So he gave up four strokes to Matt Rolstead, or was unable to, um, or Matt stayed four strokes in front of Dan Wesley uh, on those last six holes. Sean Anderson, who also finished one stroke back of the lead in a tie for second place um, at 18 under par, went par par, birdie, 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 birdie. So he gave back, and again, that's not technically the right verbiage, but three strokes um, on Matt Rolstead. Uh, let's just keep going down the line here. Joel Brown finished in 14th place at seven under par. His last six holes, birdie, birdie, bogey, par, birdie, birdie. And Sean Brown rounding out the top five at 16 under par. Um, he actually made a valiant effort at a comeback there um, with a uh, birdie, 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 eagle, birdie, par. Uh, it just wasn't enough as he finished three strokes off the lead at 16 under 114. That was your top five. Again, real quick, Matt Rolstead, 19 under par, his third win. Dan Wesley, 18 under par. Um, it would have been his second win. Uh, his first, of course, being um, earlier this year, I believe on March 31st, Pirate Spring Open down in Burnsville. Uh, Sean Anderson, uh, who's playing his best golf uh, at tied for second at 18 under par. He doesn't have a win yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. Joel Brown also doesn't have a win yet, but again, also only a matter of time. He's finished in the top five in all of his events at 17 under par, including a double eagle. Um, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful double eagle that we'll have uh, for eternity um, on video, which is always nice. Sean Brown at 16 under par. Um, in sixth place, returning after a long absence, Joel Holm, the nine under par. Uh, seventh place, Adam Burke in his second event at five under par. Eighth place, Brady Storhoff at four under par. Ninth place, Josh Benish at three under par. Uh, tenth place, uh, brand new uh, to Puttcraft Mary Leslie at two under par. Eleventh place, Sam Goley at one under par. And John Maddening uh, did not finish. He was 11 over after his first 18. So, um, interestingly enough, a couple of stats that stood out to me, and, and for those of you who were actually there and saw the course or who have played the course, I uh, would probably not say that this is actually interesting. Um, only two aces. And, um, you know, it is not an aceable uh, course by any means at all. And this is part of the reason why I've kind of stopped doing the consecutive events with an ace or consecutive events with 10 plus birdies or anything like that, because, you know, they're fun and I enjoy doing them and they're cool graphics. And it, it gives me uh, sometimes it gives me an opportunity to feature a player who maybe hasn't won yet. Um, you know, that that can always be fun. Um, but these types of events, for example, let's say Brady Sorhoff's ace um uh, consecutive ace events was still going. And I, I think it's, it's, it's long since been broken, but what if it was still going at 15, 15 courses, right? And Brady's looking at it and he's saying, gosh, you know, uh, chances of me getting an ace on this course, you know, I've got that thing tomorrow morning too. Maybe, maybe I skip out on Centennial Lakes because I just, I really like this streak. The streak is great, right? So we got to be a little bit cognizant of that, a little bit careful, you know, <clears throat> and if you're looking at, PGA Tour stuff. Of course, those players 
care about their records and about their streaks and about all that stuff. But you know what else? They're also getting paid. So they care, but they don't care that much. So for us, like the stats is a big giant element of this and and i understand that um and which is why you know i'm trying to be cognizant of all of it so okay um yeah i did get to the end okay so what two aces uh one from joel brown which we discussed on hole nine that was a double eagle the second from mary leslie hole two uh which was an eagle um, so congratulations to both of those for, uh, both, both of them for their two aces. The only event that you could compare ace-wise to this would be the inaugural Puttcraft Open, where there were two aces as well. Sam Zhang had won on hole five of his back 18, and Brian Bleckinger had won on hole three of his back 18, which we also have on video. Um, if we go back to the second, golf dome open um there was actually quite a few hole in ones uh there was a much larger field there was 15 hole in ones there uh including two from brady storhoff two from robin schwartzman two from tom loftus two from jason peterson and two from ashley dimitrov including a hole of the year candidate last year uh an ace on hole 10 okay back to centennial lakes one double eagle, as I mentioned. Um, and, you know, looking looking up and down the BEPs, uh, uh, Matt Rolstead had a BEP of 94.4%. Uh, Sean Brown, interestingly enough, also had a BEP of 94.4%. The difference there in those two players is uh, Matt Rolstead's BE percentage was 55.6%, um, and Sean's was 47.2%. Interestingly enough, Dan, oh, excuse me, Sean Anderson's BE percentage was 61.1%, um, which is kind of interesting. So, okay. Um, you know, I really, really, really enjoyed this course. Uh, I, I was talking to a couple of you at the end of the evening. Okay. So first off, spoke with Keegan, who was running the course that night. And he said, uh, I asked, how much busier was this than a regular night? He said it was about 30% busier than normal. And I was like, well, Technically, we were probably that 30%. So it was probably a normal night for them plus us. Um, I thought a couple of things. I, I I thought that we paced it out pretty well. Um, you know, it wasn't... I still have Moose Mountain in the back of my head. So this wasn't Moose Mountain by any means. But I also do... I really, really, really don't like not remixing the groups up after the first 18. I think that's a big, big, big negative. And with, for, for those of you who weren't there, with the way the night was going, we had several groups finish well in front of other groups, and I sent those groups right back onto the course because there was like kind of a significant weight at the first hole. So, you know, not ideal. I think one of the, one of the more interesting and fun elements of Puttcraft is who am I going to get seated with on my first 18? Or who, who, who am I going to play with on my first 18? And then who will I play with on the back 18? I, I think that's, that is, that is a lot of fun. And, and when we unfortunately weren't able to do that, um, last week, was it the 12th already? Wow. For some reason, I thought it was the 13th. Weird. I think it was the 13th. I think my I think my notes are wrong here. I'll figure it out. You don't need to tell me. Yes, Reed, it was the 13th or it was the 12th. Whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. Um. So about 30% busier. 
I was like, well, I'd like to come back this year. The problem with coming back this year, as it was pointed out to me, is we are losing sunlight by the day. So this will have been our last event at Centennial Lakes this year. Next year, we'll plan one for May, and then we'll plan one, you know, around this time, end of July. Um, cause I, I would like to play this course twice. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's uh, interesting. I think it's different. Um, and, and I'm, I, 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 I want this to be twice, a twice a year thing. Okay. Um, speaking of twice a year, I'm not quite ready to announce August schedule yet. It's, it's in my head. It's almost ready to roll. We're going to, we're going to have more than like, we're going to have two events. Well, we're going to have two events in August. Um, of course, Lily Putt is next week. Um, that, that, that'll be a big event. Then we'll probably shoot for about two to three weeks later. And then two weeks after that. So two events in August, and then we'll probably have two events in September and then one or two events in October. And then we'll start thinking about moving inside. Well, in November, we'll, we'll move inside period. Um, and, and then we'll probably do one or so events per month. Okay. Um, I want to talk out of balance at Centennial Lakes because, um, this has been, uh, bothering me for a while. So if we think about a traditional out of bounds, and by the way, like th- this is probably going to be the end of the podcast. Um, I'm not doing the rankings, uh, yet. I'm going to do those next week. It's been sort of a strange week. So I'm going to do those next week, uh, in, in, in build up to the Lily put open on Thursday, um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So um, th- this is kind of the end. I-, I know a lot of, some of you really enjoy this type of thing. Some of you check out, I believe. So we're going to talk about auto balance at Centennial Lakes right now. And that'll probably be the end of the podcast because when you're at Lily Putt or when you're at Eagle Lake, it's pretty obvious, right? The ball exits the playing green and, and you're out of bounds at Centennial Lakes. It's, it's much less obvious. And, you know, I've, I have stopped when we first started, we were much more um, uh, stubborn about the rules. Um, if the, at the inaugural Puttcraft Open, we didn't have relief, right? It wasn't until the second event where we introduced relief. It wasn't until the third or fourth event where we capped it at eight strokes. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to lean more towards uh, fun. And, but I still, we still have to be very, very, very black and white about the rules. I don't know what to do about the Autobahns at Centennial Lakes. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Um, whether the shot is playable or not is one of the ways to look at it. So there was a couple of different situations several actually, where the ball had exited the fairway, entered the rough. And then there's this like this hole on one of the, on one of the um, holes that, that falls down into rocks down below. Could you technically play out of it? I suppose you technically could. Um, it would be a disaster. It wouldn't work, but the ball is sitting down there on rocks and you could play off of it. But then it's like, well, don't we get relief from rocks? And it's like, well, sure, but there's 12 rocks here. Where's your relief going to be? Does your relief come back up onto the rough? Right. And, and, and do you not get penalized at all for that? So it, it, that, that's where I'm stuck. 
Okay. The rough is the rough, right? You play out of it, no relief. If it's right up next to a rock, you, 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 you get relief from the rock, just like all of our other times. If you're in the sand, you play from the sand. And if you're in the water, you take a penalty. But what happens when you're um, in the middle of three separate rocks, right? You technically get relief from rocks. Now, what happens if those rocks are three feet below the playing surface? Then what? Like, where is the line from out of bounds and not out of bounds at Centennial Lakes? Again, lily putt is very simple. Oh, the ball is on concrete. The ball is out on the on the go-kart track. Okay, you're out of bounds, right? Simple, easy, right? Here, it's 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 not easy. And we were, we were, I, I don't recall an out of bounds penalty. Um, I, I recall several water hazards, but I don't recall many, if any, out of bounds penalties because there was really no out of bounds. There, there, there was water and you got relief from that where the ball entered the water. But again, out of bounds, you have to go back to where you hit. So, essentially what we were doing and what I think we'll maybe continue to do into the future. And we have until next May to decide this is do you get relief from rocks? Even if you're, you know, in a situation where even on, even if you were tiger woods, it's not playable, right? It's three feet below the fairway. It's in between five or six different rocks. And if that's out of bounds, what, where's that line? Where's that line between out of bounds and not out of bounds? And, and, and the whole course is sort of a gray area like that. Because again, let's say you're between two rocks, but you're up near the pin, right? It's like, oh, that's obvious. Just, 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 you, you take relief. Okay. So the thing I'm stuck on here is being three feet below the fairway, like below, below, like below sea level type thing. And, and again, how, how do you penalize that? Where's the line? What about a foot and a half? What about six inches? Right. So I, I, I think we played it well. I think we played it, um, with the, I guess the player in mind, right. Be, being, um, a little bit more lenient, um, if you will. And, and I'm okay with that, but does that mean, and I know I'm ranting here and I apologize. Does that mean there is no out of bounds? at Centennial Lakes, right? That's, that's a question that I have to consider going into next year. Where would there be out of bounds, right? Like, let's say you just, let's say you just absolutely teed it off into the water, into the lake, right? Are you, are you out of bounds then? (laughs) Right? I mean, you get, I I guess you technically can't, um, like where are you going to drop from the lake? Like the lake, lake, not like a water hazard on the course, like the lake, like where, where the paddle boaters were. And then again, the question always is, where is that line? Where is that line between, okay, that's out of bounds and that's not out of bounds. And that line has to be very, um, uh, easily, uh, identifiable. And I shouldn't have to come from hole two to hole nine, uh, 17 to and actually that wouldn't be that far <laughs> of a walk um, to determine if something is out of bounds or not. Everybody in your group should be able to say, well, here's the rule. It's actually, it's actually pretty cut and dry. Yes, that is, or no, it isn't. Um, and, and, and that's something that, that I'm going to be working on a lot as we, as we transition into the next year uh, of Puttcraft is, is really, really, really getting a master list, master book of the rules done and making videos for them as well. 
Centennial Lakes is different than any course that we play. There is no other course, to my knowledge, where the holes blend in with the surroundings like they do at Centennial Lakes. And it's like, this is this is a golf course. And there is no marked out-of-bounds. If you go to a golf course, out-of-bounds is... I haven't been to a golf course in a long time. I used to play golf a lot, not so much anymore. From my memory, the out-of-bounds are all marked, right? They're white stakes or whatever color stakes it is. That's out-of-bounds, right? You need you need to hit another ball. So, um, and yeah, you know, th- this is... This is part of the process. This is the first time we've played this course. I'm I'm really, really, really pleased with how it went. Um, I like that it's different, but it's not that different where it's like we're doing a different sport. Like it's right, it's right on the edge, right? Like when you're chipping out of the sand with your putter, that's a little weird. Um, Which also brings up the next question, which we're not going to get into right now is, hey, Reed, uh, I'm in the back here. I thought chipping was illegal, right? Okay. You know, now we have to cover what is legal, what is not illegal. But again, we're not going to do that right now, uh, because this course is just so unique and so different. So, okay. A quick recap. Next Thursday, July 28th, we will be at Lilliput Coon Rapids. Um, I know it's pretty much everyone's favorite course. I cannot wait to go out there. The weather long-term, I know it's been very hot, um, here recently in this wonderful state we call home, but the weather next week is looking pretty good. Um, rain on Tuesday and Wednesday, then 80 degrees and sunny on Thursday, which means that we're going to have probably a pretty packed night, um, including other guests of Lilliput. I will not be putting you in foursomes like I did last time. You will be in threesomes, so we don't have to be there till super late, although they are going to be open later. Um, and you can register for that at puckcraft.com, and we will have the August calendar announced very soon. Next week, we will also have player rankings, um, and looking forward to that as well. Have a great weekend, and uh, we will chat soon.